Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. Andrea Earhart here, muralist, adventurer, and your host as I interview inspiring artists who are killing it in the art game to show you that it's completely possible to make a great living doing the thing you love to do. We highlight the business side of art to help you reach more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creative freedom. (laughs) Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. And that's it, so let's get on with the show. This week's episode features surrealist painter Brady Wilmot. And before you listen, please go check out his Instagram. There is a link in the notes section. It is Brady Wilmot on Instagram. Go check it out to get a better idea of the type of art he creates. You're going to want to see his surrealist style for yourself. You will be missing out in this conversation if you do not go see this art. I found Brady on TikTok and was amazed just automatically by the unique approach to composition and subject and even the dramatic lighting he uses in his surrealist approach. I had to get to know him a bit and pick his brain to figure out how he does what he does and how he creates all the unique things that he creates. And we also talked about playing the long game. You guys hear me say that a lot. And Brady is a really great example of someone who is benefiting the longer he stays in this art game. And I hope hope all of that inspires you to stay in as well and keep doing your unique thing too. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Brady Wilmot. If you could just start out by introducing yourself a little bit, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, what you paint, and all the things for the podcast listeners. Okay, so I'm sure you just mentioned my name's Brady Wilmot. Um, I live in North County, San Diego. I went to school for art at the School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. I got out of school when you were still sending slides to galleries and got frustrated and tattooed for 17 years. And kind of slowly over the last, I guess starting in about 2013, I started kind of just showing at galleries a little bit here and there. And and then just that slowly started taking over and about three and a half years ago that started going better and better so I quit my job completely full-time. 
full-time artist. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get into the style that have you always painted like you do now? It's very surrealist, like just, I, I love it. And anybody that's on the podcast too, I would highly suggest you go check out Brady's Instagram because it's very, it's just so unique. So how, how do you, how did you land on that style? You know, I think for anybody, they're not going to start out with a particular style. I mean, I, uh, you know, if you go back to my sketchbooks from when I was a little kid, it was very influenced by skateboard art, which uh, in the 80s was a, like a very punk rock, um, you know, lots of skulls and that kind of stuff. I loved Pink Floyd, which was like, you know, very kind of trippy art and got into like the whole hot rod style of art, uh, which is kind of like the rap pink style stuff, which is semi-surreal, I guess, but more kind of in your face, um, lowbrow type stuff. In college, my stuff really started turning more surreal, um, which was in the 90s. When I was tattooing, style called New School was kind of uh, becoming dominant. Maybe not dominant, but what I was interested in, it kind of transitioned well um, from the art that I was doing. And there's a lot of like, you know, funky looking animals and uh, a lot of that influence you'll see in the style I'm doing. Yeah, so that's where you'll start seeing a lot of like the... um, the animals and stuff like that coming into my work. Actually, it was funny. One of my biggest collectors is in Northern California. Um, it's like eight hours away or so. And he was also someone that was getting tattooed by me. And I had to deliver a painting up there about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Now I got the chance to stop by his house and he had a painting of mine from 2006 when I was, I mean, I was maybe doing like two paintings a year then. And it, it was funny because that was probably one of the first paintings where you really see my my style coming into play and where it really like looks like what I'm doing now or maybe a year ago. Okay. Um, and you said you created that when? 2006. Okay. So you had been doing art for a while and then kind of doing a bunch of different styles or just kind of like all in the same style, but... I mean, it's it's not like... I mean, if you look at my art since I was, you know, born, basically, it, it all kind of comes in increments. You know, there's nothing like radically different. No, no like it, floral paintings or anything. <laughs> I mean, there's random stuff thrown in okay. that I do for exercises. You know, I'll go out and plan air paint once in a while or, you know, go to do figure painting classes or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff makes your art stronger but that's kind of more for exercise you know but everything's kind of a transformation of the last thing I've done and that's kind of how you build style you know is over time you don't you know nobody starts off with the exact style that they settle on mm-hmm. long answer no I love it <laughs> I love long answers so okay so how did you land on your style though? Were you just like listening to an inner voice or how, like, were you looking at other people's stuff and being like, oh, maybe I could do clouds and then a, a boat and then a mouse rolling a boat or a, a mouse with the antlers? Like, where did that, did you do, like, did you just like get lost in your own sketchbook or is it coming from other people? Like where, how do you, how do you find your style? I wouldn't even say I've landed on a style. I, I think I'm still, you know, every painting I try to grow from and, you know, my next painting is going to be better than my last painting, no matter what. So with each painting, I see the flaws and then, you know, next time it's going to be better. There's always, I'm always looking at artwork and there's always something I'm interested in. I 
I really love Renaissance art and Baroque art. You know, I'm always looking at what my contemporary artists are, look, you know, doing and seeing what's going on. I'm always, well, not right now, but always out and going to shows and just trying to be present and paying paying attention. You know. Yeah. How so. so? How are you finding these collectors, or how how do you finding how are you finding these buyers? Is it mostly shows or on internet or a little of everything? You know, a big part of being an artist is being in as many places as you can. You know, people don't come out of the woodwork. <laughs> they, yeah. you got to jump out at them, and and uh, you know, what, what do we get? Seven people online, probably. None of them are going to buy a painting, but maybe one will buy a print or, and then 10 years down the line, they'll be looking at that print and say, wow, you know, I didn't have a lot of money back then, but now I'm, you know, the CEO of my company and I've always liked that print, you know, okay, now I've got $300,000 a year to spend and (laughs) I'm going to buy one of those, one of those paintings. You know, you've always got to be thinking ahead like that. So yeah, it's such a long game. Yeah, every single person you meet, you got to be friendly to. I I know so many artists that just, they judge whether people are going to buy a painting the second they walk in the door. I I actually had someone tell me that. I've been trying to work more like convention style shows where, you know, you set up a booth and, you know, 100,000 people are going to walk through instead of a gallery where 50 people walk through. And I had a guy in a booth next to me say, I can tell you know, the second they walk it up, if they're going to buy something or not. So I don't even bother talking to them. I'm like, <laughs> that's a terrible attitude. You know, yeah. I can tell that if I talk to every single one of these people, you know, 5,000 people a day or 10,000 people a day, then my odds of 20 of them somewhere in the next five years buying something from me is good. And if I do five conventions a year and 100 people buy something in the next five years that's a big chunk of my income you know right there yeah do you find that most people are following you online or on your on your email list or anything like for a while before they buy or what do you think i think for for art buyers it's a it's a long game you know i know when i buy art i've usually been following the artist for a while i Unless it's like a charity event, I've almost never spontaneously bought art. Like my two biggest purchases were a Jeff Gogway and a Jeremy Fish, which were, those are like my two like purchases that were several thousand dollars. And both of those were artists I've been following for years and I loved. And, you know, I had to take a deep breath before I spent the money because that's, you know, I'm an artist. That's it ton of money for me you know it's like and this is not a you know a career to get rich off of it's a career of passion and you know when I bought those pieces I was not making what I'm making now so you know I assume that a lot of people are like that you know the piece that I was talking about earlier that I drove eight hours up to northern California and I got to see my other collector that was the biggest piece I've ever sold and he actually bought three pieces right off the bat from me (laughs) So yeah, he just remodeled his house and he was like, it's echoing in here. There's nothing on the walls. <laughs> so um, so that was great, you know. And then so I, it just seems like the more art you have out there, the more people are going to be seeing it. It's such a long game. And I love that you're buying other people's art as well, because 
I as well, I buy a lot of like my students artwork and just of artists that I really like and follow on Instagram typically and if they're having a sale or if they're having there's something happens where they create a, an art piece that I absolutely love, I'll buy it. And I don't think that's very common with a lot of artists or at least a lot of like new artists. So I love just I just want to point out that you do that. You buy art from other artists because you like it. And I think it's I think of it as a little bit of, you know, it's it's hard for me to justify, you know, telling everybody, hey, buy my art, buy my art, look at my stuff, when, like, I'm not an art buyer as well. And so I feel like is uh, like buying art is a little bit of giving back a little bit into, like, the art world as it's giving so much to me and, you know, just decorating your home, but also just owning something from another artist. I love that you buy art as well. Well, also... It gives you a chance to really live with an artist that you admire's art on your walls and really pick it apart, you know? <laughs> I mean, every ounce of technique you can steal from other people is huge, you know? I wake up every morning looking at this one painting and I, I'm always seeing little pieces of technique in it, you know? Maybe it's not like subject matter-wise, something I would never do, but like I can stare at it and I can see the way he layered it and glazed it and you know i've been staring at it for probably 10 years straight now next to my bed every day when i wake up and i can just you know i at this point i've picked apart every the way he layered every layer of paint on that painting there's just things like that about owning artwork that's that's invaluable you know and um as well as giving back you know but owning the artwork is different than walking by it in a gallery and it was the same thing when i was tattooing you know i i didn't mind spending a ton of money getting tattooed by the best tattooers in the world because i'm there getting tattooed and i'm stealing their techniques you know <laughs> yeah it's a it's an investment in in learning oh yeah i, I remember being anytime i'm in a like a museum and whatnot, I, I'm always thinking of like, just you get really close to it, you know, like you get up there and you really look at it. And I always think I'm like, man, you can see so much more in person than you can in a photo. And I always, always, I mean, anytime I go to a museum, I, I always pick out one and I'm like, oh, I wish I could take that one home and just copy it and just like have my canvas here and have that one right here. That way you can look at it and see it and copy it and just learn in that way. Because there's just, you're right, there's so much more than you, that you could see when it's in person and you can get, like, within an inch of your face. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, I know there's, like, tons of Mark Ryden fans out there, but if you've, and I, and I like Mark Ryden's work. Probably six years ago now, I got to go and see a show of his in person, and it was probably the last time there was a show this big of his that had, like, tons of his masterpieces all in one place and it was honestly his work in person compared to in the books is it's an insane difference like i can't in, i can't even explain it like if you ever get a chance to go see it in person do it because there's just no comparison like yeah it's cool when you see a print or the books but there's just no comparison like so go see it if you can yeah. <laughs> even if it's one piece uh. You make me want to go to a museum and hang out for the day. I think that's... And the, and the other fun thing about museums is you can... I love just going and, and watching the people because there's the, you know, the people that are just like going just to 
pretend they have a cultural experience and sitting on the benches. <laughs> and then there's like the art students that are going and drawing to copy, you know, copy the paintings, but they're kind of half interested. And then there's the people like me that are getting told to stand back because my nose is touching the painting. Yeah, sir, do not touch the painting. <laughs> yeah, especially not with your nose. <laughs> So I'm still stuck on like where where you find your inspiration. Do you do you have a sketchbook that you um, jot little things down in? And like how how do you come up? So so the one behind you. How do you come up with that design? How and how long did it take you to paint it? So that design very well planned out. Actually, um, was on the Louvre's website and just kind of picking through a lot of old, a lot of old like church paintings and stuff and kind of um, stealing compositional ideas. And then uh, COVID hit and there's, you know, just all these conspiracy theories flying around. And I don't know if you remember that well, the beginning of it, but people were just saying all kinds of hilarious stuff. <laughs> like, you know, oh, the Democrats are inventing a disease to rig the election, <laughs> you yeah, know, just like this ridiculous <laughs> stuff. And so there's a lot of just like, I don't know if people can see it or not, but I kind of identify with this little goat in the corner, just sitting back and watching everything. And then I got all these like, all this kind of religious imagery with its cherubs up there and the guiding light is the, the TV shining down all oh, the misinformation yes. on everybody. And <laughs> And then uh, the little kind of angel. Originally, I had wings on the the little angel figure in back of the rusty car full of dead sheep, but I just didn't like the way the the wings looked, so I scrapped them. And then all the the animals are kind of running around, taking back over. So it's kind of fun and whimsical, but loaded with with lots of little hidden undertones. I don't know. If, I don't think I can get a good angle on it with the with That's the lights good. in here but um so you have to go on my page and check it out yeah but um and also how do you get reference photos for that well i try to take as much as i can for reference photos like that's my dog in the corner there for the girl in the car i had a friend who was pregnant I had a bunch of reference photos of chickens that i took last time i was in vermont which was years ago i took tons of photos of chickens. There's a bunch of rabbits around here that I've tried to take photos of, but I can never really quite get them. So those are burned pretty well in my mind. Some of the stuff I have to just supplement from photos um, offline, which I do my best not to do. But when I do that, I try to take, you know, at least three photos and, and sketch from them. So it's not just copying one image. Yeah. And how do you, so also the lighting is very dramatic in your paintings mostly. And like, it's, it's, I feel like that would be just such a chore to, to get a, a reference photo, but the lighting like is, I'm sure rarely exactly what you need. No, a lot. So a lot of that stuff, I'm just kind of inventing Making it. Like the, um, so like the, like the composition and the clouds and the cherubs, part of the composition I stole for the, um, from one of the paintings had kind of the similar break in the clouds a little different there was like i don't know probably like 30 cherubs all in the clouds and the clouds kind of the whole painting yeah you know the clouds came all the way up here and there was just angels and cherubs all the way to the front of the painting so a lot of that light source was 
something I copied, you know, it was just rays coming down. There was no TV there, obviously, because they didn't have TVs in the 15 or 1600s. So okay. some of that light source helped. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so what is something you don't like to paint without? Something I don't like to paint without? Mm-hmm. Paint? <laughs> Brushes? What kind of paint do you use? I use Gamblin. Um, they've been very nice to me over the last few years. Yeah. I, you know, I was already using them mostly. Had a few colors from other companies, but but yeah, we hooked up a couple of years ago and not holding my mic properly. <laughs> um, yeah, and they've been um, helping me out, so just been using them. Great. Uh, how much does do your painting sell for on your so your prints versus your originals, and how much time is, does it take to uh, paint them? Uh, so something like this is probably I'd say between 150 and 200 hours and. I've got it priced at 6500 okay. so it's still not a huge profit margin for me. But, um, you know, hopefully can make up some of that in the prints. And then the other thing with paintings is, you know, some of them will sell right off the easel, and then some of them, you know, you might sit on for years or, you know, some of them will go right away. It's, it's hard to tell. They're going faster and faster, which is a good sign. Um, I was actually just, um, just last night I went around and, counted how many I had left and there's a lot less than I thought so oh good okay. <laughs> there we go yeah and awesome. it goes down to like 30 32 paintings or something like that 32 so. paintings okay so you have 32 originals there with you yeah so wow um, okay yeah and yeah, I, I, used... I love that I love that you say that too because a lot of people especially beginner artists whenever you're first starting out and like you have I mean beginner artists will have 10 paintings and they sell two and they're like, I have so many paintings just hanging out here. And it's like that you're in this with the long game. <laughs> like yeah. they'll, they'll sell eventually. And if they don't like make some prints out of it. Yeah, no. And it was, I mean, I think last time I counted, I had like 50 something paintings just sitting around. Wow. And, oh, I love that you're sharing that though. And yeah. And then it's like, you know, and I'm constantly making more. So it's not like, so, and it's hard to say, you know, maybe that will build back up. You know, I'm sure it's going to ebb and flow a little bit over time, but, you know, you always hope that he'll get rid of more and more of them and it'll be harder to keep stock and you can just start, you know, making the money off the prints or whatever. But, but that's the thing with art is you just don't know where the market's going to be. I know really experienced artists that can't move their work at all. You know, some artists just can't stop selling it off the easel and can never make enough so it's just hard to say yeah it is tough to say so i found you on tiktok that's originally where i found you i saw your your video and i was like i gotta meet this guy (laughs) (laughs) i loved it um so and it's kind of like you're saying like it's hard to move some some artists i'm finding a lot that it's sometimes some much older artists that are having trouble like getting stuff off of their easel and it's some sometimes not all the time but just in recent experience like but it's the artists who are really investing in social media and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all that that are you know have a one up on them that cuz they more people are seeing your stuff here lately and you know I found you on TikTok and your your following is definitely growing on there it's funny cuz I had no idea TikTok was even going to work. I had, uh, in January, I was doing this 24-hour event, and uh, one of the other artists there, I mean, he's huge on Instagram. He's got like 100, 
I don't know, 130,000 followers on Instagram. And I've always done Instagram, but I, I never seem to get much traction on there. I mean, I did fine, but, you know, it's got my tattoo career. So I think half the people are there for my tattooing and half are there for my art. Um, I think there's 8,000 people on there or something. Yeah. And so in January, we did that 24-hour event, and he convinced me to go on TikTok, which I just thought was like, you know, little kids dancing. Yeah. And, <laughs> nope. and then, uh, yeah, so he went on in like December, and I went on in January. And I think I'm already, have twice as many people on there as, as Instagram, and was it 10 months in as I have in like probably seven years or eight years on Instagram, and you know, I might get 2,000 views on a video on Instagram, and I think my last video on TikTok got like you know, over 100,000 views or something, you know, it's so amazing. it's just, yeah. yeah, it's just such a, it seems like such a better, way more accessible platform, maybe, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, the, the algorithm is definitely in our favor, and I think just being artists as well, that those platforms are so visual and just so meant for us. Are you using, so are you putting your TikTok videos on Instagram Reels now too? I'm kind of doing everything, but ignoring Instagram now. I, I don't have a lot of time for social media. I've been in the process of rebuilding my website or I mean I'm having someone rebuild it, but it's still work for me. Plus I'm, you know, seeking out and applying for shows and I've been painting these those five little paintings for a show that I gotta drop off probably tomorrow and then have another show going on right now that's up right now. Is it and then Take your um, so take your best performing TikTok, your best one, and then post it on Instagram Reels, and just just repost it. it takes five minutes, and watch the magic happen. And it, really, it's in that first video that you do where Instagram Reels decides if you're a good creator and, and it wants to show all your things. Take your best one from TikTok, post it, just repost it on Instagram Reels with the TikTok thing and everything, and watch it go crazy. <laughs> it's okay. it's the I'll thing. Have to- look at what Instagram Reels is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you just uh, just Google how to do it, really. It's really easy. It's just, it's just like posting, but a little different. So just make sure you go to the Reels option, and yeah, it's it's okay. great. <laughs> well, I'll do that when we get off, because I, I know it's, like, still important. And then, I you know, I still do Facebook, but just for, like, more for the art groups and stuff, because you can still find out about shows and what's happening on there. But, but yeah, they really... Don't put the odds in your favor on Facebook. No, <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's the mothership of it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, how what are your what are your studio habits like? So you're painting in the studio a lot, a hundred hours per painting sometimes. And how what are your studio habits like? When when are you painting? How many hours a day are you painting? It just depends on. So like when I have a big painting like this going, I might do, you know. F- five hours a day, like three days a week. And then I, I usually have a few like smaller side projects going like this. Uh, when I had this one going, I did, um, I think I did like four or five other smaller paintings at the same time. Like I did a commission for a fishing lure company. So I have, um, a set of custom fishing lures out, <laughs> which, huh. you know, just like some random stuff like that. Cool. I can't remember what else I did at the same time, but you know, there's just always like something going on. So it's hard to just concentrate on something this big seven days a week. Um, and then uh, just randomly, I got like the two biggest commissions I've ever had 
came in in the same week. I spent like two months straight working on those, like probably 40 plus hours a week for you know, for two months. And then I had to take a little time off because my dog had to have surgery. But so that was kind of took the hours down a little bit. He was. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, yes. Congrats. And that's just another thing the how staying in it for you're in the long game. You know, you've been in it for so long and you just now got your two biggest commissions. Like it's just good things come to those who <laughs> wait and stay in it. And yeah, you're doing it. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I hadn't been taking commissions because I was always so busy trying to get into shows, you know, doing so many group shows. I, I was doing like 30 plus a year for the last three years. And then I was actually planning to step back a little this year anyway from that and just do more bigger art like this and then it was forced anyway so yeah cool well that's um i have one more question for you uh we have a lot of newbie artists listening it's uh, some more experienced but there's a lot of artists who are still in their full-time job and they're just not really sure where to start to get into this art career and so they're listening for advice on things like that and so where what advice would you give to artists who want to make art their full-time career but just don't know where to start what's a good starting point a good i mean i guess the main things i would say is the biggest mistakes i see is people online bragging about being self-taught learn everything you can from everyone you can there's no shame in learning from other people people present in your art community even if you're shy go to shows make it a goal to meet one person at every show you go to very shy uh when i first do, started doing shows i would literally sit in the corner and talk myself up in my head i would be saying okay if you want to make a career out of this you're gonna have to go talk to these people i'm literally like to the point where I was almost out loud. If you want to do it, you need to talk to people. Yeah. And you can't, you know, if it's not your show, you can't sell yourself to people, but you have to meet people and you have to learn how to talk to people. It's just part of it. If it feels awkward and forced at first, fine, so be it. It's not your show. You'll get used to it. It's just like anything else in the world, you, you know. You didn't start off learning, knowing how to draw and paint. You're not going to start off knowing how to talk to people. You'll figure it out, but you're not going to figure out by not doing it. But yeah, be around your art scene. You know, every museum has a, you know, an artist alliance or an artist guild. You know, it's going to be 50 bucks a year to join or something. Join it. You know, it goes towards the museum. You're going to meet a bunch of, bunch of people that do art. It's going to get you in art shows. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people, if they say they're self-taught, it's like you're, it's like, oh, okay, so you learn from someone on YouTube, then <laughs> it's either you're like, you're learning, you're learning from an institution, or you're learning from someone, or you're learning on, on YouTube from a video, like every, everybody's learning, I think it's just, yeah, a lot of people, they take a lot of pride in being self-taught, and I think if you are truly self-taught too, it just, it takes you so much longer to learn that one trick that an artist could have just showed you really quick. Like, hey, if you glaze over this, it's going to save you so much time rather than messing up and doing it again. And just, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing better than, you know, like I've taken classes and I'll still probably in the future take classes at a place called Watts Atelier where they'll come up, they'll take the pencil out of your hand and be like, no, do it like this. You're doing it wrong. You know, they're, I mean, they're rough 
And if you got thin skin, it's not the place for you. But, <laughs> um, but I'm not there to, you know, to not learn. Like I took a took a um, eight week class there just in drawing hands and feet probably four or five years ago because I didn't feel like I was drawing hands and feet very well. I wanted to do it better. Yeah. Um, Always learning. I love that. You know, so don't be scared. <laughs> yeah, don't be scared. We're And we're all so introverted naturally and just, just getting out there and doing the thing, you know, just, just do it. The world is not going to end if you go talk to a person. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, this has been a great interview. I love chatting with you about your art style and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. The, uh, the podcast is actually going to come out tomorrow and I'll email you all the links and everything. Um, but thank you so much for coming on here and just chatting with me about art yeah thank you yeah all right we'll talk to you later have a good day right. you too bye bye this episode is sponsored by the mural master program inside of the artist academy advanced membership this program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process from coming up with an idea to finding a wall to paint it on to pitching your ideas to businesses and finally of course i teach you exactly how to paint large scale murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business i know because it has been one of the top ways that i've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as i have with several years of experience as a muralist i've dialed down the painting techniques the proposals the pitching the whole bit and now i've compiled it into one resource for you called the mural master program this is included inside of the artist academy advanced membership and i would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co that is artistacademy.co and click the link to see the mural master program and learn more if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am art by Andrea Earhart. I will gladly share your art on my Instagram story with a reach of over 60,000 as a thank you for helping us grow this Artist Academy community. And speaking of community, if you would like to be a part of our absolutely free and very encouraging community on social media, just head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy, and I will see you next week.